Hello and welcome to St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. I'm Phil Halley. Joining me to talk about the loss to Nashville in the upcoming game against Real Salt Lake is Patrick Stark. Hello. Our man from Hanoi, Chris Hoff. Hello. And Drew. Hey, good to see you boys. Let's talk about the Nashville road trip. Uh, Drew, Patrick, myself, Nathan, not on the pod, as well as some others, road trip down to Nashville, along with a lot of other St. Louisans, it seemed like. How'd you guys like an away game? It was a, you know, it was a strange experience being amongst the enemy. Uh, turns out I was, uh, Drew and I were sitting in front of Shaq Moore's family. So that was an interesting experience as well. Awkward to have to still be sitting when most of the stadium was standing following a goal. But I was definitely impressed by the volume of fans, both in number and in attitude from the supporters section and their chants. Well, and in volume, I assume. Yes, yes, both volumes, both volume and number and in and in sound. And in the volume of city fans, if you fit them into a container, what, what, how big that would be? Pretty big. It's, it's grim to imagine. It was strange. I was not sitting among Nashville fans. I was sitting among a large contingent of St. Louis fans. So we had the St. Louis chants going. We had STL going. We cheered at the appropriate times. But it was very disconcerting when Nashville scored their first goal and the entire stadium erupted, I was like, oh, no, I don't like this at all. The pros of our seating arrangement were that we were right at the tunnel. So we saw the city players go in and out, which was very cool. We are also below and a little bit away from the St. Louis visitor section, but we could hear them very clearly. And they were great and very loud. Out on the concourses, there were, I don't know, we tried to guess how many city fans. There were a lot. Maybe, I don't know, it's generous to say 10%, but something reasonable at the game. And also the Nashville, I don't know, most of the employees and other people at the stadium even were very nice. And some people genuinely, not being rude, told us good game and said nice things. So it was a good atmosphere. Unfortunately, I don't know how I only I did only rewatch the first half. I couldn't bring myself to rewatch the second half, but couldn't really hear much because I'm sure their Apple's microphones were in the supporter section of Nashville, which is, I guess, fine. It was loud. What did you think of the stadium? I thought I thought it was a nice stadium, though. The wide thoroughfares make me a little jealous. I think overall the stadium's not quite as nice. It's noticeably bigger, not as nice as City Park, but those wide thoroughfares cities kind of slammed together. Philly, how'd you like the gradient of the uh, upper section? It was a little steep. It was a little terrifying, but you know, we we stayed alive. It ended up being a pretty good, pretty good view, pretty good seat. Empanadas, uh, fine. You know, they were fine. I'd rather have a city park empanada from uh, Ketchup Mayo or Mayo Ketchup. I always forget which one goes first. Pat, did you guys ever eat those leftover empanadas you guys you brought back? I did. They hold up. Little salty, but delicious. So, you know, I don't know that I've ever met an empanada I didn't like. Phil, care to comment on the ravioli? Uh, it was, I think they were playing mind games with the St. Louis fans, and this was a way for them. It was like mental warfare, I guess. <laughs> they had, at 
one of their booths, I assume they just rotate this. They had something that they claimed was a toasted beef ravioli. So we went ahead, got some of those for the kids. What came out was a hot pocket. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking a six by four inch rectangle filled with a thick ground beef. It was fine for what it was. It just wasn't a toasted ravioli. So that was kind of the start of the mental warfare. We can talk about what happened on the field as a as a continuation of that. I just barely avoided spilling hot chicken on my on myself. God knows what would have happened if I'd gotten one of those hot pockets. All right, let's uh let's do a quick round, zero to ten. Let's get some reviews. Nashville Zoo, I'm gonna give an eight. Um, Hattie B's hot chicken, nine. It's reasonable. Um, the Parthenon, six. It's kind of weird that it exists, but pretty cool. Uh, you, Phil, you surely you've read the Wikipedia page, and as a St. Louisan, you can't argue with people building weird stuff when they have a <laughs> world fair. Fair enough. Good point. Good point. Also, I'm pretty sure it's an art museum, which was closed when we went through. So probably, you know, six pending improvement based on what's inside. And if we can take their word for it, heaviest bronze doors in the entire world. Bold claim. Fascinating. All right. Any other Nashville reviews before we get into this soccer game? Um, I was told I had to have something called a bushwhacker, which is an alcoholic milkshake. Mm. And it was good. You got a number for that? Let's call it a seven. It would. I don't get a large, though. That's just too much. All right. Well, after our gallivanting about Nashville, there was a soccer game. Chris, what did you think of the game? First half was great. Second half was, uh, frankly, I don't want to, I don't know. The second half was a disaster. And uh, I just, I felt like I did during our losing streak in that it felt like we just didn't know what to do or how to do it. Uh, Chris, I, I believe your exact words were, hope the hot chicken makes up for that hot pile of flaming that was the second half. Yep. Direct quote. So in the first half, I, we can do this chronologically, I guess. There was not a penalty. Nico charged into the box, fouled, at least in the eyes of us. Well, maybe us, at least in the eyes of me at the time, as well as the eyes of VAR, but apparently not in the eyes of the ref. Yep, he made a decision that I think we all can agree here that it was an incorrect decision to not acknowledge the contact. I question whether he saw the right angle. I don't really know how it works. I I thought they saw multiple angles, but the angle that I saw him looking at from the Apple feed was the one, I guess, from behind the goal, uh, sort of looking down and, and in that one, it it was very hard to see anything improper. Uh, there was definitely a con- contact, but whether it was meaningful or not, uh, or a foul in any way, uh, remains to be seen. But from the other angle, from the side one, it is very clear that he nails Joe Keeney, whoever the defender was, and may have also touched his foot in the process, like stepped on it or kicked it. Uh, to a certain extent. So that's what I thought happened in slow motion. I believe the defender was Marr, unconfirmed if that's Bill Marr's son or grandson. I don't know how old Bill Marr is. From Caseyville, Illinois. Not a sponsor. I'm sure they don't have the municipal budget to be sponsoring podcasts anyway. 
I'll just plug again, I think I've talked about this before, the YouTube series that Pro puts out where they cover VAR calls and they show the conversation between the ref and the the video booth. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it's usually like a week delayed, so we'll see if they include this in, in their video recap. They always also publish an article called The Definitive Angle, where Pro, the refereeing organization, gives an opinion as to whether the ref was correct or incorrect. So maybe we'll get that little bit of vindication when they call them out. It's cool that the MLS does that. They do a couple of things with uh, officiating that I think is more supportive than and thus makes it easier on referees because they get involved, unlike other leagues where they just say nothing and the referees just get whatever abuse they get and are just kind of left to hang out to dry. I will say, because I'm guessing we want to move on a little bit, I'm glad, you know, I guess this is totally hindsight, but I'm glad we got one out of the two big Nico calls. If we had gotten zero of the two, I would be very upset. You know, the him getting pushed over, he definitely got pushed. He wasn't thrown to the ground. He was pushed. Possibly he could have stood up, but his chances of scoring would have been far less. So he probably, by trying to take an off-balance shot rather than try to win a penalty when he was, he was fouled as far as I can tell. But I don't, I just think his reputation's probably going against him. And, uh, you know, he's been playing well and we're very reliant on him, but I don't know that it would have been really, it would have been, I would have loved it if we'd gotten both of those calls, but I'm just glad we got one of them. I'm just glad we got that goal. Cause also, VAR on that took a really long time, and the conclusion uh, is open to... I mean, I still think it's open to interpretation. There's nothing clear or obvious about either of these, I don't think. The second one, there was so much going on. I watched it repeatedly after the fact. There was a potential offsides, but then there was also a question of whether it went in off of Nico's hand or or his arm or his body. But, But yeah, no, that would have been difficult to swallow if the ref overruled VAR twice. Because both times the call on the field went against us, both times VAR said, hey, there's been a clear and obvious error on the field. We recommend you review. So if he overrules that twice, that's hard to swallow. So yeah, glad we got the goal. Unfortunately, there was a Nashville goal in between those. Oh, last thing quickly. I'm a big spirit of the law guy, less a letter of the law guy. And I feel like the people in the VAR booth are referees. Why does why can't they make a decision? Why does the referee on the pitch have to go and do it himself when clearly he didn't see it as well as the people in the booth they've watched like five or six replays over and over again on tv i don't know they show him the replays you want to have one person in clearly in charge i guess it's the logic you know there are subjective calls where yeah you don't want there to be a conflict you know any structuralized you know situation that means one referee has to contradict another and overrule them and then the other one can overrule the other one at a later time you want yeah one final authority sure that makes sense but whenever this happens whenever a referee is advised hey you missed something by the var booth and then comes back and says no i didn't you know by overruling them it just smacks of them having already made a decision they've made up their mind i'm the boss here nobody's going to tell me anything and that's sort of how i felt the ref must have behaved i know that's petty and foolish and childish i own that and to be clear we lost that game all by ourselves you know there was no we can talk about the first half we can talk about maybe how things would have been different but in that second half we we lost that game yeah that's i guess maybe we've been talking about the first half for so long because it's more pleasant than talking about the second half 
Let's keep talking about the first half, guys. I think we should we should stick with what we like. Yeah, we were down some key players. We were down Blom. We're still down Klaus. And new for this game, we were down Leuven. Uh, yeah, I thought the team stepped up. I thought Nico played a pretty good game. I thought Ostrock, Indy, Perez. I, Perez had some mistakes. I thought he had some quality as well in the first half. You know, balanced off by some mistakes, which were maybe difficult, but I thought the team held their own in the first half. They did. I even think, you know, I like our def- our defense. I think there's something to be said for fullbacks who, you know, they may be limited in in what they can do, but they are good defenders and play the spaces well. Don't get beat too much and uh, work well with their respective wingers. The problem that was very plain to see was when Nervinsky came out. And Hebert moved over to the right and then was torched over the first 15 minutes. So this was a change at half. I guess let's talk about a couple changes. They brought in, what is it? Shuttlecock? What are we calling him? Jacob Schaffelberg. They brought in Schaffelberg, who is a very fast man, I guess. Bad haircut, but very fast. He's Canadian, so it's... Oh, so we allow. We allow that haircut. It's at least understandable. Yes, you know where it's coming from. Right. The cultural context is different. I get it. He's very fast, and he was just absolutely beating us and destroying us down that left side. Time after time, you know, long ball in, he beats our defender, and we're done. Get it over to Hanny. Hanny puts it away. Yeah, Hanny Mukhtar had really had the knack for being in the right place at the right time a lot in this game. But so let's talk about the matchup, I guess. So we had Hebert who had moved back over to the right when they subbed Nerwinski out for Nelson. Which he's never played before. I'm going to say ever. Also, Nerwinski has played in every single league match, and for almost all of them, the full 90 minutes. He had a nasty like header situation in the first half, and at the time we were speculating, like, oh, maybe that was getting to him, and that's why he had gotten subbed out. But I guess after the fact it came out, no. Carnell talked about it in the press conference that he was making that change. Maybe there was some thought about saving him for the the Salt Lake game, but it was a disaster, right? Like, I don't know, Berkey Berkey in the post-game press conference basically said what we're saying, which is everything was going well, it was a bad change, and then it fell apart. I think we can say that that had never been tested before, and it was an experiment that failed do you think that it is just hebert having a a bad couple bad what five minutes because even leading up to that we were doing okay it was a hebert having a bad five ten minutes or was it hebert being on the right because it seems like it's the two yellow cards it's the two yellow cards that sunk us Uh, maybe i don't know i think we were beat without that i I think we give schaffelberg the credit that he was just outpacing us and we were just getting beat. We should talk about the yellow cards, but... When we get into the yellow cards, I think it's fair to say that if he hadn't gotten a yellow for the first one, he would have gotten a red for the second one. I think he was going off either way. Well, if if the ref gives a penalty... Okay, there was a discussion about this on the feed, and the question was asked whether in that... during In the instance of the penalty, was he in... Like, was it a goal-scoring opportunity or not? And if it was a goal-scoring opportunity and the penalty is awarded, then usually the referee does not issue a red card because it's 
thought to be too harsh a punishment to send a player off and award a penalty. So I think he might have gotten a yellow even if he had not been on one uh, because they also gave the penalty. And I think it's worth calling out like VAR will review that. They will review a yellow and and recommend, no, we think that should have been a straight red. But um, because he was already on a yellow, he gets the second and sent off. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, the speed matters. It's hard because I think like if the whole game, if the game had started at half, we probably would not have been that surprised that we were getting outplayed. We were down our players and we're kind of expecting that. Except that that first half like gave us hope. We're like, oh, you know, we can do this. Our, we have enough depth to take these guys on. Got our hopes up. I'm not saying we wouldn't have lost if Hebert had stayed on, hadn't made that foul. We, we might have lost because it looked like a goal scoring opportunity to me. But him getting sent off definitively ended any chance we had of coming back. Yeah. Yes. Though I'll say, like, we still had chances. Uh, they played well for having, you know, being down a man. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little iffy on that. Being down to or being up to Nashville is going to play a little bit differently as well. Sure. All right. Well, so what do we think about the Hebert got two yellow cards and got sent off on rewatch? I'm kind of fine with both of them being yellows. If anything, yeah, the second one could have been a straight red. At the time, the first one I thought might have been soft, but with seeing multiple replays, it did look like it was a reasonable yellow. I think this is just what you get. He just got he just got beaten. He just got beaten both times. And he didn't have the restraint to just let the man pass. Because he he's a center back. Ball. And these are situations he hasn't, these are different situations. He hasn't trained against these for his whole career. He's on the move whenever he's having to make a tackle, which means that the timing is essential. And, you know, as a center back, you're, you're usually like intervening uh, from, you know, a, a more sort of stationary position. So you're not quite beholden to the the physics of two very athletic men sprinting at the same time next to each other so it's it's just it's risky to have him in those positions yeah yeah it's probably the positioning was the problem i think hebert's been very good for us he was beaten pretty badly by a canadian man and then that basically ended the contest i think we played okay with 10 men but there was still a chance for Mukhtar to add massive insults to injury and score a fourth, if not for a man who I'm now calling Leonidas Berkey because he w- of his defense of the hot gates, not letting anything through. The hot chicken gates. No. He uh, there was a he basically saved a point blank one from from Mukhtar right at the end, which I appreciated. Yeah, that was kept it kept it respectable. I didn't appreciate. Schaffelberg versus Hebert both have played for the Canadian national team. I have not done enough research to know if they've played at the same time, but both have gotten called up for the Canadian national team. So Schaffelberg has been on the pitch. It seems like in almost all, if not all of the games for Nashville this season. And this is his you know, profile. He's speedy. He goes down that left wing. Sometimes he plays more centrally, but this is what he does. And it's something that, you know, he, that's his role. He's an impact sub or he's, uh, he's just there to run fullbacks ragged. And it seems like more thought and preparation could have and should have been done to counteract his presence. And I'm just, I'm left with 
I don't know, just a sinking feeling that this is the sort of like haphazard. I don't know. I don't want to go too far. I'm not sure what my thoughts are on this yet, but more should have been done. Do you think that Nerwitzki handles Schaffelberg better than Hebert? Maybe slightly, but I don't. I think he also gets beat around that corner every time. And I another think he does too. Another issue is that is that the service, uh, like the passes, were frequently long uh, passes into that corner, um, and you play a high line, which we are wont to do, and we got burned twice by it uh, mm-hmm. on the penalty, and well, twice for goals, and then multiple other times when Schaffelberg was just free into space, and you don't have pace in that back line. Nelson, Nerwinski, Parker, Hebert, Bartlett, none of these guys are, are fast by any stretch of the imagination. So we're, we're susceptible this, to this, and we've seen it multiple times so far this season. I'm curious to see on one of the, when Hebert takes the second yellow, the lead up to that play, it, it was questionable if Mukhtar was, was onside, and I'm wondering if they checked that in VAR in the APP, the attacking phase of play. Is this the one that led to the penalty? Yes. Mm. It was close. Anyway, Nico had a, a bicycle kick attempt. Looked pretty cool. Nothing came of it. Something we could use at City Park was the band at halftime. Another thing we could use at City Park, Nashville fireworks, 10 out of 10. That was nice. Something we could we could not use at City Park is a drone delivering a game ball into a box. Don't need that. No. that's a, Was that logistics? That was logistics. Oh, Geo, yeah. Geodis. Is that, is that the connection, maybe? I would go to UPS or FedEx, not a sponsor. I do think we had an RC card deliver a game ball once. All right. If there's nothing else to say about that disappointing loss on the road, if not unexpected, let's talk about the upcoming game against Real Salt Lake. I'm, again, I'm not ready to move on, Phil. I'm sorry. Um, never are. I'm, never <laughs> are. Mostly hung up on, on the past, I suppose. You're still going from like the Enron collapse. I haven't gotten over it. <laughs> CEO of Yahoo this week called out Enron in, when discussing um, company values. You know, Enron had good company values. What does that get you? Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, I might be ready to move on now. I know. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, wait. I have my to say my piece. Okay, go ahead. First half. Look, we had a good first half. We get that penalty call. We get and we get the goal. And someone remembers to mark Mukhtar in the box and not just give him yards of space to make that make that shot to, for Nashville's first goal. Who knows where this game ends up? But Nashville's a very good team. We were down players. Who was particularly optimistic going into this game? I think even Drew was a little bit concerned. No, I don't think we can win a game without our best three outfield players. Nice of, nice of the South African manager to not bring on Blamas or only bring on one substitute, have everyone fly across the world to a to their to their international game and then not play. But I hope he saw his family and friends. He's had a good trip. They did get a big result against Morocco. Ranked I, I believe Morocco is currently ranked tenth in the world. They had they were great in the World Cup. Yeah, it might be most of that. But so the substitution ostensibly done to save Nerwinski's legs for the midweek fixture against Real Salt Lake. And you got to put the game, you got to get the points before you start making substitutions that are future minded. This is this is sort of what I wanted to get at is a a season long trend of playing for some sort of like 
amorphous future opportunity and not for this season. I don't think they expected to be in this position, obviously. And a lot of the decisions that they have made and continue to make in on sort of a game management and a personnel uh, lineup uh, basis are seemingly more frequently than I would like aimed at the next game or down the road in, in the season. And uh, it's just, you gotta, you gotta look at where you are in the standings and you gotta make the most of that because you may not be in this position again for a very long time, uh, even though you didn't expect to be here. So philosophical differences, I guess, between me and, and the upper management. Yeah. Can we go back to the first half? Is that okay? Yeah, let's talk about the first half again. That was, was a nice. Great. <laughs> we're we're pretty we're pretty far in here. Do we really have that much more to say? We need to talk about injuries. We need to talk about Salt Lake. Last chance. Come on, you get you each get one thing if you want. I think we need to sign a, a fullback, uh, maybe two fullback fullbacks in the uh, transfer window. Wing wingbacks, right? Like our yes, sure. How about a striker? Can we? Can we take a moment to discuss fullback versus wingback for our listeners? Chris, can I get a can I get a comparison? So a wingback is usually they have fewer defensive responsibilities and are sort of hybrid uh, winger uh, defender players, and they're usually found higher up the pitch, and they're usually very vertical minded. A lot of up and down. Yeah, we do have a lot of center backs. We're playing one as a fullback. We just don't have guys who can play wingback. Conrado, is that he's the rumored anybody hear anything new on that? No. 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 He's gone silent. We're not gonna hear anything till till July fifth at the earliest. That's when the transfer window opens. They can like sign the deal whenever though, right? And then you can play. Is that how that works? Like like Real Salt Lake? Like Messi. Maybe transfer deadline day in the MLS. MLS is different than it is in Europe where at the last possible moment anything can happen and Guys will sometimes be at the stadium of the club they think they're going to sign for when the deal falls through and be embarrassed on the evening news. I guess speaking of Messi, there was a report that his starting game is going to be less than a week after we play Inter-Miami. But in any case, after we play Inter-Miami, just that we expected that. But it's still, you know, you, we'd, you'd rather we had played Inter-Miami like a month ahead so you don't feel so close yet so far. What if we beat Inter Miami so badly that Messi's like, no, sorry, I, I changed my mind. <laughs> I think that's what we're hoping for at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, injury report, Klaus and Leuven not looking good. Patrick, what did they say in the conference? Uh, we had an update that Klaus is out for at least four weeks and Leuven is looking at four to six weeks as well. That would put any likely return after the League's Cup break, probably. Probably. Well, at least there is a break. You know, hopefully we can get some players more experience in the League's Cup. I, I don't think you're hoping to make a deep run if you're going to be out, Leuven, out, Klaus. I wouldn't think so if we're if that's what we're looking at. Which would be the other way to see Messi. That's true. That's true, Drew. Either that or make the Cup Final. Of the whole thing, the MLS Cup, that is. Yeah, I think that's our that's our best shot. So let's just go ahead and do that. Yeah, if we could do that. Yeah, that though it's not a clear thing that Inter Miami is going to make the playoffs. Even another team for whom it's not obvious they will make the playoffs, Real Salt Lake, oh. who we're playing this Wednesday. 
let's talk about that game. They're sitting in seventh, which does qualify, but closer to the line than we are sitting on top. Well, since we've seen them, which we uh, played them on March 25th. Oh, how long ago? Yes. Back when Klaus was still available. And scored two goals in that game. Indeed. What a time to be alive. Uh, since then, they have had a pretty pretty good run coming off of winning three of their, let's see, three of their last five, five of their last eight, only losing one. So definitely moving moving up in the standings from after coming off of that. Uh, you may or may not remember they lost the game after our game also for nothing. So 0-2 giving up eight goals was a was a rough little stretch for them there. I think the main thing I remember is America first field. Yep. Can't get that out of my head. Because it resonates with your worldview. Yeah, with my values so deeply, so ever so deeply. Um, it does not. It's disgusting. But they are in the <laughs> Open Cup fin- or semifinal coming up in August. Again, in their defense, it's not that America first. Continue. Okay. We Sorry. have no strike- way of knowing whether it is or not. Yeah, strike that from the record, although we shall still have a cocked eyebrow, if we may. You may. Podcast listeners, Drew just cocked his eyebrow. Okay. It's a name of a bank, cocked eyebrow, and then they're <laughs> in the semifinal of the U.S. Open Cup a tournament we would love to still be in in August against Houston. Is it down to all MLS teams at this point? It's uh, Houston Dynamo versus Real Salt Lake and Cincinnati versus Inter Miami. Yeah, only four teams left. Messi might might play in that one in August. Cincinnati, well. Yeah, I guess if Inter-Miami has Messi, maybe they're favored. Otherwise, Cincinnati favored. It is fascinating because Inter-Miami are dead last in the league. And we really will see what's going to happen when you put in the best player who's ever played the game of soccer throughout history. And uh, how much of a difference is that going to make? I mean, presumably an enormous one. I mean, they're only... This is the thing about the MLS. They're bottom of the table with half the season played. But they're only seven points out of qualifying for the playoffs, at which point none of the season even mattered, basically. So, you know, I think Messi can get him seven points. Probably right. Might be like part of his contract. They give Miami seven points. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you have to think that MLS desperately wants Miami to make the playoffs. They probably he would probably listen to that offer, you know. With the, Sa- the Saudis were offering him $400 million. They're probably like seven points isn't really that much to give away. All right. Well, anything for us to expect or anything for us to remember about Real Salt Lake other than their stadium name? Uh, Pablo Ruiz uh, just scored in this uh, their past game against... DC United. DC United scored from beyond midfield. So that was pretty exciting jefferson severino is their other danger man um he has four goals this season two assists rubio rubin scored a brace against austin at the beginning of the month that's a name that's fun to say and he is is good jefferson severino is seems to play a little bit of that left mid left wing role that Jacob Schaffelberg plays. So something 
maybe not to justify, but to explain the substitution from the Nashville game for Nowinski. I think we need to start. What did you, didn't you guys figure out the cost? Like, what does it cost to get all the, you know, player distance run and player speed statistics? It's like $100,000 or something. Something like that. Um, it would be great to have that level of information because I, what I really want to know is like, yeah, okay, how fast is he compared to Schaffelberg? You want to know Schaffelberg's 40 time? Yeah. Yeah. If I could just get that for everyone, have it in a spreadsheet, that'd be great. That'd be nice. We're thinking Nervinsky is back at right, and that means half Nelson's coming in. On- well, Hebert is out. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I know Hebert will not be there. I know he won't be there. I'm wondering if Nervinsky will be there, and then half Nelson to come back in at left, reclaim his spot he lost after his own red card. That is what I would expect, though. Who knows? Um, we do have other, you know, you get a Yarrow in there. I don't know. But yeah, I think you expect Nelson and Nerwinski, Bartlett Parker. Somebody needs to talk to those two about, you know, opposing strikers uh, in, and as uh, someone called it, their rest defense position. They need to be a little bit more mindful of these uh, roving strikers who uh, are sneaky and wily and manage to get the, the break on them and have a couple times in recent games don't like it now to be fair real salt lake does not have a hani mukhtar who was at, at one point literally running circles around the team yeah, he did like, go in a circle around a guy yeah i saw that yeah uh, according to fifa jacob schaffelberg has acceleration of 84 and a sprint speed of 81 81 miles per hour that's impressive yeah. no 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 this is fifa the video game right <laughs> FIFA is paying the $100,000, so we're just getting this, you know, second for, for the sure. It's He's more of a more of a less wily and more of a roadrunner, if you will. Uh. Severino, one point higher on acceleration, that's 85, with a one point lower sprint speed of 80. But his agility, 90. Whoa. That's agile. How about his quickness? What's his wisdom saving throw, though? That's the question. <laughs> just, reveal, just reveal this podcast true color. <laughs> All right. Wednesday night game back at City Park. That'll be great. Um, any corrections and omissions? I did have a correction, and I don't remember what it was, but maybe next time. Okay. I have, I have two. First one in the last podcast about the LA Galaxy, I forgot to mention that we finally had a petty capetti of the of the game, a little Zuperich, if you will, that wasn't the opposing manager because we'd had some some really sniveling managers the other, the last couple games against Houston and Vancouver, but but finally we have a player who uh, who enjoyed a bit of the dark arts, a pouty Aude. Oh. And we booed him vociferously. It was That was great. Not his behavior, yeah. but our response to his behavior was exemplary. Yeah, he was going down soft all over the place. All over the place. And the ref was giving it to him. My second correction slash omission was that Joe Willis, St. Louis native Joe Willis of the Nashville goal, had a better mustache in person than his Google image search 
So I'm giving his mustache maybe a five. Not as good as the hot chicken, but it was a good mustache. All right. Yeah, and and we had not realized, I guess, at the time we recorded the podcast that he was a St. Louis native. So, And that fundamentally changes your evaluation of the mustache. My question is how do you think the hot chicken and the mustache would interact? Oh, God, mm-hmm. badly. All right. Uh, correction to my correction, I wanted to <laughs> point out after our previous podcast, I felt bad because I didn't say how great Tim Parker was in the game against the LA Galaxy. Can't oh, yeah. quite say the same thing about the Nashville game, but here we are. I, I, I thought he played decent. He was fine. He was fine, but he was incredible against I'm pretty the Galaxy. Sure I'm pretty sure I was sitting right behind Tim Parker's family. They were yeah at the in the Galaxy lovely. game in the Galaxy game. I, I was thinking the neck should be rebranded as Mister Body, the protagonist from Clue, because he was really using it to great effect. He it was like he was making one man choreography to Beyonce's "Get Me Bodied," the way he was get, getting between the ball and the attacker at every opportunity. All right. Let's get some score predictions for this Real Salt Lake game. Our man from Hanoi, Chris Hoff, what do you think we're going to see Wednesday night? 3-2 City win. It's a lot of goals. Patrick Stark. I'm going to go 1-0 City win. Drew Wolfson. I'm a coward, just like the both of you. It's going to be a 2-1 City win. All right. Um, a lot of things have been taken. I'll go 2-0. It's got to be a city. We're back at home playing a team we've already beaten. Sure, we're we're down a few key players, but, uh, good players. But we're down all of our best players. But yeah, we, half of our starting lineup. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got Hebert out on a red card. Blom's still gone. Uh, okay, sure, two two nothing. We're sticking with it. Berkey will just be a brick wall, and we'll get the win. Maybe we'll have another pod between salt lake and san jose on saturday so i guess i will talk to you then gentlemen thanks for joining take it easy boys thanks phil great time